0: Whenever I finally surrendered, and said, hmm, okay God, I'm here, yeah. take and use me. Whatever that means, I'm, I'm ready for the ride. Then that door opened. What I'm trying to do at the mission is we're trying to take care of the needy, not the greedy.
1: Welcome in everybody to the Run the Race podcast. I Appreciate you so much joining us, and uh, maybe you've listened to some of the past 180 episodes. Maybe you've listened. This is your first time listening. I appreciate it. A welcome into 2024. We had an episode last week about uh, kind of going through this new year with grit, with grace, with God. And uh, we have a very special guest for us today to talk about economic economic development, talk about giving to others. Even though the holiday season has passed, the season of giving, there is still the same needs out there. People that need, you know, their needs to be met physically spiritually, emotionally, and he is the uh, president and CEO of an organization that does just that here in Columbus, Georgia, Valley Rescue Mission. Uh, It's Mike Gaiman, who is from South Carolina, graduated from Erskine College back in 1972. So don't do the math on his age, you know. He got a degree there. And uh, he's a preacher's kid who also taught in public school, serving as admissions director and also a basketball coach at Chesterfield Marlboro College, uh, but then uh, beginning a career in the chamber, serving as president of chambers in North Carolina, my favorite state, also Alabama and Georgia, and then uh, served for more than 26 years as the president and CEO from the Greater Columbus Chamber of Commerce, uh, retiring uh, almost a decade ago. Uh, he's been... Uh, a Selected for a lot of awards, including as the Georgia Chamber Executive of the Year in 1998. One of the top national, uh, top five national presenters for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He also was awarded the Noble Patron of Armor by the U.S. Cavalry and Armor Association in 2014 for his uh, many decades of support for the military. We've got Fort Benning, now Fort Moore, just down the road from us. And uh, he has taught courses at Auburn University just down the road, University of Oklahoma, Delaware, and the University of Georgia. Go Dogs or uh, War Eagle, whatever you say around here. That Both teams, their football seasons uh, have ended, unfortunately. Um, and he has uh, his announced economic development accomplishments during his career exceed more than $5 billion, 60,000 new jobs created or retained. And then, you know, he, he was enjoying his retirement, and then last February, he decided— Maybe you got a call to do this from God. That uh, to come out of retirement and chosen as the president and CEO, again, of the Valley Rescue Mission in Columbus. Uh, He and his wife have five children, five grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. So that, I'm sure, keeps them very busy. He also authored a book we're going to talk briefly about as well. So uh, without further ado, uh, Mike Gaiman, thank you so much uh, for being here.
0: Thank you, Jason. So it's a pleasure to be on this podcast with you.
1: Yeah. And we also have a co-drive that the Valley Rescue Mission and WTVM, who I work for, we are partnering to do over the last few weeks, and it uh, ends in just the next few days as, as this podcast comes out. So we want to make sure people give coats, um, whether you're in the Chattahoochee Valley or wherever you are, find an organization. If you're listening in North Carolina, find an organization, give coats away, you know, find places to give. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, and including, um, you know, your book and, and also just giving to others in 2024. But I wanted to start, you know, and, and you know, kind of going back, you're a preacher. Kid, and uh, that can have you know some positive and negative connotations to it. But um, you know, uh, do you feel like that this ne- this latest move in your life uh, is it a calling from God? And how do you know? Like, if, if, as people enter this new year, how do you know that God is saying, okay, do this and maybe not that?
0: Well, being a preacher's kid, uh, I was drugged to church, so to speak. Every time the church doors opened, I was there. Uh, and growing up with my dad as a minister. I learned from a very early age, you gave of yourself to others. Whether it's having a singing convention, whether it's feeding the hungry people, whether it's taking care of folks at funerals, whatever it was, you gave of yourself. I never fully appreciated how much my daddy gave of himself to others until I got into the business, so to speak of giving of yourself, your time, your energies, etc. So uh, I guess I just kind of came up in in the work, so to speak of it's about serving God. And if you serve God, you will give of yourself to help others.
1: Yeah. And um, so what was the decision like? I mean, so you were retired for, I guess, give or take about eight or nine years and um, so you you know had the, maybe more time to travel or to, to be a grandfather, great-grandfather. What, uh, what kind of uh, drug you out of retirement, I guess, or kind of uh, got you to um, leave that season of your life?
0: Well, I was on the board at the Valley Rescue Mission, and we had a change in management. And so we were talking about uh, damage control, what do we need to do, there are things that we've got to fix, et cetera. And so as we were talking about all that at a meeting, Uh, someone said, wait a minute, we need somebody that knows Columbus, and as you know, Columbus is a pretty unique community in several ways. We need somebody who's a Christian. We need somebody that has a good reputation, at least, of trying to do the right thing. You're retired, Mike. Why don't you take this job? And I said, well, thank you. I need to pray about it. I certainly need to think about it, and I need to talk to my wife about it, because we've been enjoying retirement life to kind of do what we want to do when we want to do it. So I went home that night, and my wife said, how'd the meeting go? I said, well, they've asked me to be the interim, and I told them it's only on an interim basis. I'm not interested in the full-time position forever and ever and ever. I've done that for 38 years, so I told them it's only on the interim, and they need to form a search committee, and they said they would do that. She said, well, whatever you want to do, if you really feel like that, this is what you want to do, you know I'll support you. Okay. Fast forward. The Thursday before I started on Monday, I'm standing outside talking to a staff member and talking to a volunteer. This lady comes up with tears streaming down her face. And the, the volunteer said, can we help you? She said, I have my son in the car. He needs to enter your drug program. Am I in the right place? Yes, ma'am, you are. Y'all come on in and they'll begin the intake. So as I'm watching this mother walk back to her car, the passenger door opens and a young man gets out, looks to be about 30 or so. And then the back doors open and two little girls get out, look to be about five and seven. So they're all hugging together. So the volunteer said, Mike, I want you to remember that image that you're looking at right now. You're going to be doing budgets, and you're going to be doing policies and procedures, and there's a lot of stuff that the mission needs to do to get up to speed. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You know how to organize. You know how to run things, so that's why you're there. But never forget that image. One day, that mother will get her son back. One day, those two little innocent girls will get their daddy back. And one day, Mike, that man will get his own self-respect bike. Of all the things you're gonna be doing, Mike, that's why we have a mission. Yeah. Now that's Thursday before I started on Monday, and the after he said that and I saw that image, I went, Yeah. Is God sending me a sign? That's pretty heavy here, right before I even start working there, right? Yeah. So that's how it began. And every day seemed like something like that would happen. Somebody's life, I'd hear about a story about somebody, they OD'd and they came to the mission and now they've turned their life over to Christ. Now they are looking forward rather than looking... I mean, every day just seemed like there was story after story after story. After three weeks, Jason, I went home to my wife and I said, Honey, we need to talk. I said, I'm feeling a, a calling A calling to serve the mission as long as God wants me at the mission for this season. And I don't know how long this season is. I don't know if it's six months, six years. You know, I really don't care. But I feel God is calling me for this time period, for this time right now. And she said, you know, if God is calling you, you know what your answer is. Yeah. And I said, yes. And God, thank you. You didn't have to strike me blind like you did Saul. You didn't have to knock me off a horse for, for three days that's right. to heed the call. And I think that's kind of, that's where I am. And that's where I am now for as long as God feels like that I'm in the right place trying to serve him by serving the needy people of this region.
1: And you've been uh, in the job for uh, was about eight or nine months now, or maybe well, I ten started months. in February. Yeah, so it'll soon be soon be a year. soon be a year, and uh, so uh, like you said, who knows what's going to happen? And, and you know, you and I had struck up a relationship, um, you know, uh, through when I was a reporter, and uh, you were with the Chamber of Commerce, and I remember having a lot of interaction with you from uh, from the you know talking about jobs and and uh, economic growth uh, in the you know the Chattahoochee Valley, and uh, you know a lot of folks maybe have business jobs, uh, you know they work, at, you know, uh, as a, or maybe they're a teacher or something, or or, or or trash man or whatever their job is. And a lot of times, you know, maybe we're told by society you can't bring faith in the workplace. Now, for Valley Rescue Mission, the the motto is serving Christ in the community. We we a lot of us know the the, the song, you know, serving Christ in the community. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so so it kind of comes with the job, comes with the territory. But for those who are working the jobs that you dealt with for. Many decades in the Chamber of Commerce, you know, in retail or in business or in finance or whatever else. Um, how does how can faith play a role there? Because I mean, there's rules in place, but you can be a Christian without kind of shouting from the mountaintops, right?
0: I think you plant where God puts you. You always recognize where your strength comes from. I had to deal with a lot of different personalities. I had to deal with a lot of gigantic egos. Okay. But you know, you know, first I'm serving God, not serving man. So I always try to do the honest thing, the right thing, and do the right thing for the right reasons. You know, trying to get an, a company to come in and locate or to expand. What greater gift can you give someone to be able to put food on their table for their family, mm-hmm. to be able to provide for their family, Wow, that's pretty basic, right? So I considered economic development as part of my mission, serving God. If we can get a new company to locate here or a company to expand here, that will help those folks that get those jobs to be able to gain a little bit better lifestyle. And guess what? Maybe they'll tithe more in the church, too. You know, I mean, it's a vicious circle, right? Sure, it's sure. all doing the right thing for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, and um, economic development, like you said, it, it can have such... It can lift a lot of things up. If a community is doing well, you hope that that you know, like you said, they give um, to those less fortunate more, or there's more job opportunities. Have you seen that? Like in your you know different stops in North Carolina and Alabama and Georgia, have you seen like with your own you know the the evidence of how economic development can really be kind of a far-reaching thing?
0: Absolutely. We used to use the, the, the saying, a rising tide floats everybody's boat. If your economy is strong, then every business benefits, directly or indirectly. If the economy is strong, that helps the government be able to provide better services because they've got more tax dollars to provide that service. So, you know, we, we I believe economic development in parallel to Valley Rescue Mission, it's about hope if you can give people hope. Hope that today may not be well, but tomorrow could be better. And we're working hard to try to make tomorrow better. You give people hope. If a community has hope, you know, what does the Bible say about without a vision? Mm -hmm. Without a vision, the people perish. I believe cities that don't have a vision for not where they are, but where they can be. I was fortunate to be here at a time when a vision started growing. And we started talking about that river down there and what could happen in our wildest dreams on that riverbank, And now look at what we've got. The River Walk, all the businesses and development that have happened are all around uptown and so forth. That was a vision about where the city could be. I think the Bible's very clear. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, organizations perish. Without a vision, cities perish. So what I'm trying to do at the Valley Rescue Mission, working with our staff and working with our board and working with the entities that donate to us is, where's the vision about where the Valley Rescue Mission can be in the future? It's, the needs are great. Are we serving those needs? Or is there a better way to serve the needs of the needy? So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to steer the mission. We're still going to serve Christ. We're still going to make sure we're taking care of the needy. But there's certainly ways in which we can do that more effectively. We certainly can stop doing some things and start doing other things because change is very positive if you allow it to be a positive environment.
1: Yeah, and change is i mean—that's almost like the only thing that's constant is change. You Absolutely. Know? And so you have to kind of be prepared for that, especially in the new year. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, Valley Rescue Mission and our Code drive coming up in just a few minutes. But, you know, we talked about how, you know, we're just several days, I mean, maybe when this podcast comes out a week into the new year, 2024, a lot of people make resolutions. And, um, you know, we've moved past, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas where people are typically giving, maybe maybe for tax reasons. Maybe they, you know, f- feel a spirit of, okay, I, I want to give to those less fortunate because I have so much to give. And we're kind of sharing time with family some people can't, have time with that family. So now that we're in January, you know, we talked about how those needs are still there. I mean, those people are still facing addictions. Those people still need coats and food and shelter and uh, need a church to provide, you know, that uh, emotional, spiritual, physical help as well. So um, how, what would you say to folks about how, you know, okay, we're entering this new year. We, we still need people to be in that giving spirit.
0: The needs are still there. What I'm trying to do at the mission with a lot of support is we're trying to take care of the needy, not the greedy. So the needy, they're every day at 3 o'clock, we feed homeless folks. We'll have 75 to 85 people today and tomorrow who will come to the mission and get a hot meal. For some of them, it may be the only hot meal they get that day. We provide that meal at no cost. They don't have to pay a dime to have a hot meal. Same thing with our addiction program. Today, we have 60 men in our in-residence addiction program. Jason, I'm sure you know that if you were to enter an in-residence addiction program in the private sector, it could cost you anywhere from twenty dollars to $30,000 a month.
1: You're very expensive, yeah.
0: A month. Well, these 60 men are in our program, nine months to 12 months, at zero cost. Well, it does cost but it doesn't cost them. So that's when you bring your household goods to our our centers and we're able to recondition those and sell them in our thrift stores. Every penny goes back into helping us be able to provide those opportunities for those men who have an addiction and have nowhere else to go other than jail or maybe their lives end. I mean, they're desperate, right? We have 20 women who are in our addiction program So we've got a grand total today of 80 people who are in our in-residence addiction program and they pay zero dollars to be in those programs. Those dollars come from donations. They come from individuals who will stroke a check for $25 a month. Those dollars help us feed the homeless, help us take care of people with addictions. So the needs are still there. And I will tell you, in the economy such that we have now nationally and locally, the needs just greatly increase even more. Gasoline now costs what? Versus what it cost two years
1: ago. Sure, yeah.
0: Go buy a gallon of milk. I mean, everything costs more. Well, the pressure's in upon the family. The pressure's upon the breadwinners, et cetera, just continues to be great pressure. So the mission can be there to give a handout, not a hand up. We want to do both. We want to help people that want to help themselves. And so that's what we do through the donations, through the coat drives, for example, it's pretty cold out there today, 40 yeah, degrees. Sure. Let me tell you, we've had people coming in already into the mission wanting to ask, "Do y'all have a coat?" "I don't have a coat." Well, that's a need. We need to take care of them.
1: And you know, and how rewarding is that for as <laughs> for for you and for the people at the Valley Rescue Mission to be able to cuz you know, like there's one thing that you you kind of, you know, give money or whatever, but to be able to tangibly um provide a coat. Or food or like you said that daily meal those kind of things I mean those are tangible needs that you're meeting um, and uh, and and so I'm sure that's extremely rewarding like you said the story after story that you're probably visually seeing you know
0: it really is and you and I if we're hungry we can go buy a meal many of the men and women we serve they don't have that kind of money they're hungry still though Uh, maybe they've made some bad decisions that have caused them to be homeless or caused them not to have a resource. But once again, aren't we there to help them? Going back to what the Bible says. If your brother is hungry, are you giving him something to eat? If your brother needs a coat, are you taking one off your back, giving it to them? So for 60 years, the mission has been trying to focus on how can we serve mankind in a way in which that would please Christ, because that's why we were started. Yeah. 60 years ago.
1: So the name Valley Rescue Mission, um, let's break that down a little bit. I mean, uh-huh. we're obviously in the Chattahoochee Valley. Right. And uh, I mean, what, what does that mean in terms of the rescue? And we talked a little bit about the mission of it. Um, so tell me about what you guys do and why it's so important um, that, that, that you're around.
0: Well, 60 years ago, the Motts had a vision for helping homeless men now, 60 years ago, we didn't call Uncle Ned homeless. We just knew Uncle Ned lived with us, right? I mean, there were homeless men, but we didn't call them homeless. They were just our family members or friends that just lived with us, right? So, uh, 60 years ago, the Mott's had a vision from Christ.
1: It's a local family. It's a
0: local family. Francis and Howard Mott said, Well, I want to have a place where homeless men can come and be safe, and have a hot meal and have a roof over their heads. So for 60 years, that's what we've been doing. Last year, Jason, we fed 129,600 meals. It's a lot. Just imagine the logistics of feeding that many folks. We had 42,000 room nights, meaning people who had no place to go. We gave them a place to sleep so they'd be safe. Here's the most important number. We are a mission that says we're serving Christ. Last year, we were able to record 115 professions of faith. Wow. That's who the mission is. We're serving Christ. So we tell the men and women in our addiction program, we want you addicted to Christ. If you're addicted to Christ... And we do that through Bible study. We do that through chapel. We do that through a lot of courses. A lot of programs are put together for them. But we think that if they finish our program and they have Christ in the center of their lives, when they finish the program and go back out into the real world, hopefully they'll be able to say no to those drugs, no to that alcohol, no to that situation that got them in a homeless situation or got them in an addiction program or got them in jail. 65% of the men and women in our addiction program are there because they came out of jail. Mm -hmm. The judge said, do you want to stay in jail or do you want to get some help? Now, Jason, we even have some atheist judges. We serve all over the state of, 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 of Georgia. And we have a few from Tennessee and a few from Alabama. Atheist judges will send us people. Why? Not because of our strength in faith about Christ. But they know our program works. Yeah, success. A judge wants to put people in a program that works. So if folks make it through the first phase of our program, the statistics show us that we have a 94% graduation rate. That's great. So we know our program works. We know if we can get you centered on Christ, it works. But it's up to you. You've got to pay the price. You've got to study. You've got to really search to find out what is God's purpose for you in your life. Yeah. How can you fulfill your purpose? Everybody's got a purpose. You know, God never said, oops, I messed up on that one. You know, when any of us were born, there was a purpose. So are we filling our purpose? We're trying to give people hope that, you know what, yeah, your life's been really the pits in the last several years, but you know what, there's hope. Yeah, We're trying to give hope.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the better things are, are yet to come. Yes. And, you know, a lot of times church members, Christians non-Christians want to volunteer for a place like Valley Rescue Mission and maybe they say to themselves oh man it's 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 kind of risky you know I'm going to be hanging out with uh, you know people that are addicts or, or former inmates or homeless or whatever you know and it's it's not always you know the it's it's not always the the prettiest situation that, that you're that you're dealing with and the, the people that you're helping um, and so sometimes that's, that's a, a, a kind of a, 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 not a concern, but it's something that people think about. So how do you, you know, as a Valley Rescue Mission and as the president and CEO, uh, how do you handle those situations in terms of making sure it's safe when you have people that are addicts or, or inmates, form, former inmates or uh, people with, with situations like this? Because I know that's a concern for y'all as well, safety.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we have an intake process. If you wanted to volunteer, we have an intake process that we, one, we determine your, your sex, your age, because obviously there are certain ages that we would not want to be exposed to situations that may be beyond their ability to really handle. Uh, but we have a lot of volunteers who serve, who give of their time and effort. Um, and then we have people who teach classes. We have people who help serve food. In fact, my wife and a few of the ladies in our church, started a sewing class at the Women's Addiction Center. You know what, Jason? It really didn't matter what they were making. It was the fact that some women would take time to come down to the Addiction Center and say, we care about you, and we'd like to know if you'd like to learn to sew something. The ladies were thrilled that somebody would take time to help them learn to sew.
1: It's like humanity, of it. you're treating me like a real person.
0: Absolutely, and guess what? We've got four-year college degree folks. We've got people who've owned their own businesses. I mean, drugs doesn't care. Drugs don't care how old you are, what race you are, what socioeconomic development you may come from. It doesn't matter. Drugs want to get you addicted. And we've got the gamut of men and women who have such varied backgrounds, but they made a choice. They made a choice to start using a drug, and then the drug controlled them. And their choices then started down that road of making more bad choices. So <clears throat> we tell volunteers listen, just show up for Thanksgiving. We had volunteers lining the walls, waiting for their turn to go onto the serving line and help serve. I went over to several of them and I said, thank y'all for being willing to give Thanksgiving time to us and to the needy folks but we've got so many volunteers. If you need to leave, we understand, but thank you. Every single person that I told that to said, well, thank you, but you know what? It warms our heart to know that we've got so many people in this community that are willing to give their time to help serve folks who are in need on Thanksgiving. Now, isn't that a great story? Mm -hmm. I mean, hundreds of volunteers just waiting for their turn To go and help serve food to people who are hungry. Yeah, that's what's right.
1: That's what's good. And, and, you know, it's often said better to give than to receive. But sometimes we say that kind of flippantly. But uh, until you experience that for yourself, until you go and try it. Um, go on a mission trip, or go down to your local mission and help—you know—feed folks on Thanksgiving or whatever else. Then you kind of get the taste of that, and or or an outreach like through an organization that I was on the board with for a while. Take the city, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, until you, get, when you, once you get a taste of that, you're like, oh well, this is different uh, than, than what I'm used to. So a lot of folks, you know, this is if you've never done it before, I mean, this is a great opportunity. New year, fresh start and uh, go try out volunteering somewhere and and uh, get plugged in because I'm sure you guys have a lot of uh, there's a lot of opportunities, right? To do different right. things.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you may not feel like you're called to be a teacher but would you like to come and play a game? I mean, these men and women would love somebody to come and play a game of checkers or dominoes with them because one you're giving your time. For these these men and women, many of them feel like that society has outcast them anyway. They've lost their job. They may have lost their family. They may have lost the self-respect. But the fact that you would come and just say, hey, listen, I just want to hang out with you. Want to play some checkers? Tell me your story. I found, Jason, all I have to do to the men and women say, tell me your story. And then just listen. And you know what I realize? Would, by the grace of God, It could have been me. I might have made a bad mistake, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, thanks to God's grace, right? Yeah. So uh, you were talking about my book. Uh, I'll tell you where that title of that book came from.
1: Now, the book is called A View from From the Backhoe. Right. Okay.
0: I have an old backhoe, all right? It's a 1964 John Deere backhoe. You still have it? I still have it, absolutely. And it works well until I blow a hydraulic line or something. (laughs) Anyway. It was a beautiful day several years ago when I was retired. I was up digging out a ditch. We have a little place up in Hamilton. I was digging out a ditch because over winter, you know, the leaves and the trash and everything, the ditch was stagnant with old green water. So it was a beautiful day. So I, I went and took, a, 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 took the back part of the backhoe and dug out a scoop, if you will. And as I put the dirt to the right, I was starting to put it back into the ditch. I noticed a little whirlpool started forming. And for some reason, I don't know, I just thought, ah, look at whirlpool. That's interesting. And then the little whirlpool got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. And then that stagnant water started flowing out of the ditch. And then I was reminded of that song my daddy used to have us sing all the time, drinking from the springs of living water. Mm. So as I'm watching this whirlpool, as I'm watching this stagnant water get out of the ditch, there's something that says to me, you know, I don't know what this moment's about, but there's something special about this moment. And then I started thinking, you know what? I got stuff in my ditch I need to get rid of. Hurt, anger, disappointment. You know, stuff that's happened in my life that's still in my ditch is taking up space, is taking up room. It's not fresh. It's old. I need to get rid of that stuff. And then it just kind of kept coming to me, wow, you know what? Everybody's got stuff in their ditch. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to get rid of some of the stuff in their ditch. So as I started writing my book, I'd write a chapter and write a chapter, and it kept coming back to, i got to name this thing something. And I kept coming back to a view from the backhoe. And my view from the backhoe was, I need to get stuff out of my ditch. So fresh water can come in and get rid of that old stuff that's just taking up space. So that's where the title of the book came from, and it's, it's short stories about my life as a career in chamber work. What did I learn from that? Some of it is stories that I learned growing up in church. Uh, what did I learn from that situation, et cetera. So it's just a lot of short stories, but the bottom line is, what did I learn from that? And if I learned anything from it, hopefully it'll inspire somebody else.
1: Yeah. So tell me about you know as as people you know kind of try to meet goals or, or kind of make those changes small or big in the new year. Um, how, what are some of the ways that you got rid of some of that uh, you know mess and some of the maybe the um, things that you had held on to maybe for years or decades. Um, and kind of uh, started fresh. I mean, was it like asking for forgiveness? Was it like just uh, stopping certain habits? Or, you know, what, what are some of the ways that you were able to kind of, you know, um, kind of clean out, uh, you know, kind of the, with the, with the, the water from, from Jesus?
0: Right. Well, the first is just acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to acknowledge that I've got stuff in my ditch that I need to get rid of. You know, I got a disappointment from a relationship that went wrong. It's still bothering me. Why? That's the past. That's stagnant water. I need to get that out. So I think the first step, and that's like we tell the men and women who are in our program. The first step is acknowledging I am here
1: and I need help. I have a problem and I need. It's on me. I can't do it.
0: Right. It's on me. I've tried. I've tried to handle it myself. It's bigger than I am. I need help. So I think that's the first step with anyone. Just acknowledging, are there some things, maybe you don't have anything in your ditch. Maybe all the fr- all the water in your ditch is fresh. Wonderful. But chances are, something's going to put something in that ditch that you need to get rid of. Don't let it stay. Don't let it become stale. So I think first is recognizing that, you know, we all got issues. We all got stuff. We all got challenges. I don't think there's ever but one perfect person in the world. Yeah. So none of us are perfect all of us maybe are like that clay. We need to be molded. We need to be shaped a little bit, and so forth. And then the second thing is, do something about it. Don't just acknowledge it, but do something about it. Okay. Am I going to forgive? Am I going to ask for forgiveness for someone who's hurt me, etc.? Am I going to allow myself to live? I tell. Uh, I tell in this story. I uh, use a lot. You can learn a lot. I'm a visual learner, if I'm yeah. a learner at all.
1: Same here. I'm
0: a visual learner. I need to see, right?
1: I, I need to-do lists written down. From yeah, right absolutely.
0: <laughs> all right, think about your car. The rearview mirror, how big is it? It's not real big, no. but it's important. Sure. You need to see maybe what's coming up behind you, et cetera. But how big is the windshield? Big. Gigantic. So I think God wants us to look through the windshield. Now, we need to use the rearview mirror because that's a reference point of where we were. Don't forget. Don't forget the past, but don't live in the past. Look in the future. Look at this windshield. God's got all kind of things ready for us. If we'll allow ourselves to say, take and use me. And then I always try to say in every one of my prayers, if it be your will. Sometimes I don't say that. Because I want it to be my will, right? I mean, I need this, right? I, this yes. is a need I got, God. God.
1: Or my or organization needs yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But is it God's will? Is it his time? It should be. It's his ways, not my ways. And whenever I think we get to that point of understanding that, then we understand, okay, God, take and use me. However, and whatever that may be. Maybe it's going to a sewing class and helping some ladies learn how to make a little potholder. That's a little thing. But the Bible says little is much if God's in it. So that's where when people give us ten dollars, that ten dollars can be multiplied many times because it's going to be used to help those in need, and God will, I think, honor that kind of gift. So that's why we say, listen, bring your, give us your, give us your money, give us your household goods. If you got an old car, give us your car. We'll turn around and sell it. If you got an old old uh, riding lawnmower, we'll sell it. Bring us your broken lamp. We'll strip the wire out of it and sell the copper wire. Whatever it is, we can take it and use it to benefit God's kingdom, meaning taking care of those in need.
1: If you, or if you have an old backhoe, perhaps right. <laughs> well, now I don't know about
0: that. I don't know how well. 1967.
1: <laughs> and uh, you, we were talking about business earlier. A local businessman that you probably know, John Teeples, yes. who is, uh, you know, does a lot of, you know. Uh, turning businesses and he's also a legendary runner here in town. I learned, um, right. Were you talking about looking ahead and kind of having your eyes up? Um, and you know, looking at the, the future and what's ahead of you. And, and occasionally, you know, you want to know what's back here, but, um, he taught me a, a running form, uh, probably about five or six years ago where, um, you know, he, the form is you have your eyes up because a lot of times, you know, when you get tired, you've been mm-hmm. out there running for a while, you kind of tend to kind of look down a little bit and it messes up your form. Well, he mm-hmm. says, if you look up and continue to look up while you're running on the the straight path, the pavement or whatever, it automatically, like your posture improves, like you're looking up, your posture improves, you're focused on what's ahead and not just kind of being focused on being tired, looking down at the ground. So there's a lot of metaphors with that as well. And uh, speaking of fitness, which we talk about some on this podcast as well, we talked off off mic a little bit about how you were a basketball coach at a junior college. This is a, a prior life, right? Maybe several lives ago, right? Right. <laughs> so is that something? Uh, w- were you always were you interested in sports growing up? And was basketball something you played? And and I saw, I assume, as a coach, you were pr- pretty good at it. No, no, <laughs>
0: no. But you know, John. Wooden wasn't either.
1: That's right. You know, he was he not wasn't a
0: very good uh, player, but boy, he's a great coach. But and leadership. It, well, it's about leadership, right? Yeah. It, you know, uh, I um, I loved coaching when I, I graduated with a degree in physical education, because I was going to be a PE teacher.
1: This was at Erskine, Co- Erskine College. From Erskine, right. Okay.
0: I was going to be a PE teacher, once again, serving. Helping these young kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when the opportunity came along for me to leave public school and go to this junior college, they were looking for a basketball coach. They had just gone to get their associate degree program. They were a junior college. So, wow, what a great opportunity. I loved it. I loved coaching because I had guys who had played in high school, but they had no, no thought that they would ever play at a junior college level. It was a big deal for them. I mean, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you mean, we're going to be playing other junior colleges?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm good enough. Yeah. And you know
0: what? We're going to beat them too. I bet you we're going to beat. Coach, you think so? Why not? they got two legs. we got two legs. We'll work harder than they will. Right? Right, guys? Right, guys? <laughs> so it was a great opportunity. I enjoyed coaching. I mean, coaching was really, really fun. It was challenging, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, but then, once again, the opportunity came along that uh, I had an opportunity uh, and, and I prayed, okay, Lord, if it be your will. Well, it didn't work out. I was devastated. I was devastated. In fact, how I got to junior college was I was teaching a public school, a Title I school. I knew that was not where I was going to spend the rest of my career because, I mean, it, it was just, wow, it was a tough, tough situation. So I interviewed at this junior college. They brought me in to meet with the president. And I thought, oh, wow, this is it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) And the president, his name was Algie
1: Grubbs. Mm, That sounds great. Who would
0: ever name their kid (laughs) Algie, right? (laughs) That's right. But Algie Grubbs says, well, Carl, listen, Mike, I'm glad you're here. But, uh, Carl, I should have told you, I've I've already hired somebody to be in the admissions director and be our basketball coach. So, Mike, I know you're working on your master's go ahead and finish your masters and then maybe in 2 or 3 years you know we may have a position open and I'm I'm sorry that you know you came all the way here and so forth and well you know I well oh, I understand that's fine you know sucking up I'm good yeah 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 I got out to my car and I said god I've done everything I know how to do and then it kind of hit me I had done everything that I knew how to do rather than saying God, if it be your will.
1: yeah.
0: So, tears flowing down my face. And I'm thinking, there you go again, Mike. You thought you could do it, but you didn't allow God to use you, etc., etc. So I said, okay, all right, God, I surrender. I went back to the the little old uh, junior high school, was there three days. Way back then, before you were born, way back then, I got a long-distance phone call. I mean, when you got a long-distance phone call, that was really something. So they came into the gym, Coach, you got a long-distance phone call. So I go to the office, get on the phone, and Carl says, Mike, I don't know what happened, but that guy who said that he would take the job and Algie offered it to him, he's now backed out. And Algie said, if you wanted the job, it's yours. Jason, that's the story of my life. Yeah. Whenever I finally surrendered, and said, hmm, okay, God, I'm here. Yeah. Take and use me. Whatever that means, I'm I'm ready for the ride. Yeah. Then that door opened, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the story of my life. How I got to the mission, as I told you, same way. God spoke. The opportunity is there. I was willing to listen to the Lord saying, okay, God, I don't know what this means because I was really enjoying retirement, but <laughs> if it's your will, Yes, sir. Send me in, coach. I'm ready. And so that's why I'm at the mission. I'm serving for a season. And I don't know how long it is. And, you know, it really doesn't matter. I told the committee, I said, I'm really not interested in this job. But I am interested in this calling. Because I really feel called for where the mission is and where the mission could be and how we could serve the needs of this community in maybe a little different ways and so forth. So if you all have me, I'm willing to throw my hat in the ring.
1: Yeah, and and doors opening and closing, and and maybe you know, uh, you know, I mean, not maybe, but probably for sure. Uh, you know, God used your almost four decades working in chambers of commerce and seeing the economic development, seeing the the those that are less fortunate, and seeing success and how it helps lift everybody up. You know that. Uh, probably, you know, all that you have those tools to use now at the Valley Rescue Mission because you, your business background, you know, God can use that and uh, God can use, you know, your leadership skills. And, you know, because, you know, coaching basketball, I mean, is not, you know, maybe too far off from uh, coaching, you know, uh, businesses or coaching, you know, employees or volunteers, things like that. Uh, well, it's and, all
0: about a team. It? Yeah,
1: for sure. Are you on
0: the team? Do do you, as a member of the team, see the vision of where we could be? So that's why we're doing all these sprints. We want to get in better shape (laughs) so we can outrun the other guys, right? Yes. So organizing communities, organizing chambers of commerce, organizing organizations like the Valley Rescue Mission, it's about organization of it. And it's about trying to set a vision for our mission. I don't want this mission. I want the Valley Rescue Mission to be the very best in the whole United States and we are nowhere near there. we got so much work we need to do, but you know what? That's our vision, and we're working every day trying to work smarter and work harder. Yeah. And if we do that and say, God, take and use us, I think God will honor what we're trying to do to move this old battleship. I told the board, Jason, um, I'm going to drag this mission into the 20th century (laughs) <laughs> and a few of them looked like, does he not know this
1: is the 21st century? Are the rear view mirror again, right? Well, there Well, we go. there we go.
0: But we were telling people, y'all, send us your check. How many young people do you know that have checkbooks anymore?
1: <laughs> I, I have mean, a few. Well,
0: yeah, but your kids, my kids, they don't no. do the phone deal. Yeah. So when I say, y'all send us a check, they are Dad, we don't do checks. So <clears throat> there's another example of the mission getting out of sending us checks. We need dollars, we need resources, etc. And there's a lot of ways to get them.
1: Yeah, you can Venmo or, or uh, all that stuff. Cash App. All, all that, <laughs> that
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> all that stuff. And, uh, you, you know, speaking of the mission and what's happening now, we were talking about how, how kind of cold it is, and it's January. And, I mean, it's colder and snowier maybe other places, but it's, it gets plenty cold here. And people that are out on the streets, you know, and, <laughs> and don't have as as many warm clothes, you know, they need coats. And we've been doing this coat drive for the last few weeks, um, in conjunction with you guys and other partners and WTVM. And we're going to be having a, uh, um, a drop-off event uh, coming up this Wednesday. Um, and uh, so uh, tell us about that that need, uh, because we talked about the food earlier and, and and the shelter and helping people with addictions and, and uh, those kind of things. But what about the actual, that tangible need for, for coats and clothing?
0: We have a process. When you come into the Valley Rescue Mission, we ask you to show us your ID, And then we enter into our system. Once we get you entered into the system, we're able to make sure that, one, you get groceries on a scheduled basis. But now, if we didn't do that, I'm telling you, we'd have people coming every day wanting groceries. Right? The greedy, not the needy. Yeah. So when you come and you want a coat, we'll ask for your identification, just information to put in our system. And we'll know that, wait a minute, Jason, you were here yesterday getting a coat. I mean, no, 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 no. You don't, no, no, no. You got a coat yesterday. We got a lot of people that haven't gotten a coat. So our intake process is pretty simple, but it's there to make sure that we're protecting those people who truly are needy.
1: You want to, you wanna, I mean, obviously give to those that need it, but you also want to be smart about it.
0: So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because I, I guarantee you, I've seen it. We get, for example, bread. Publix gives us a lot of their day old bread and sweets and so forth, okay? So they give it to us. We go around and pick it up, bring it, and then we use it in our we have four cafeterias, so we use everything that we can, but we'll always have extra bread, right? So we put them out in grocery carts at 2nd Avenue for people to just to come and get. It's amazing to me sometimes people who drive up in brand new cars come and get free bread.
1: Mm. Man.
0: You know, and I want to go really yeah. You're driving a brand new car and you're here getting free bread. Yeah. But the staff said, Mr. G, that's on them and the Lord.
1: Yeah. Maybe We're, you choose your battles, right?
0: You, you have to choose your battles. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not worth it. But we know there are a lot of people who come and get bread because they're truly needy. And so they can come and get some loaves of bread. And once again, that's why it's there.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, one last thing, you know, obviously we just came through – Um, Christmas time and the New Year's and the holidays. And so, you know, are there, you know, now that you've been at this job for almost a year now, coming out of retirement, maybe this wasn't something you were seeking. It was like, okay, you know, you kind of got uh, thrust into it and like you saw those families and had those moments. Did you have, you know, um, throughout the holidays or those moments you're seeing as well where you see, because the holidays can be a difficult time for folks as well, especially if they're homeless especially if maybe they're disowned from their family and, um, and they don't have anybody. So um, is, it, is it a time of, of uh, a positive hope? When you, or is it like you see a lot of people in these difficult circumstances this time of year?
0: Some of both. Um, you know, for some, it's an exciting time when families come to visit the men and women in our programs. It's exciting to see them there. Uh, It's exciting to see that they know that now their son or daughter are now getting help and they see a little spark in their eyes. You know, I'm going to lick this thing. You know, and you you can sense that. You can feel that. But we also know that holidays do bring out sometimes bad situations. They remember when they used to have their family, they used to have a job, they used to have a home, etc., etc. So what we try to do is make sure that we always are there to help people to realize there's hope. No matter where you are, no matter what level you are in your conditions, there's hope. And there are people who love you. There are people who care for you. There are folks who give of their time, their talent and their money for the benefit of helping you get back on the right track. And boy, once you start to see that little spark in their eyes about hope, the the men who finish the first phase program, and then they go up to Crossroads in Hamilton for the second and third phase, about the time they're getting ready to go to Crossroads, they talk a little bit more lively. You know, you can see a little more spark in their step, so to speak. They' are hugging Jason, I've never been hugged by so many men in my life.
1: <laughs> and, and that success, like the, the you, you have success like you've completed something that kind of is contagious, right Absolutely,
0: absolutely and, and you know the, the hugs that guys give me it's because they many of them will tell me, "God saved me. the mission rescued me." So it's a genuine thank you. Thank you for being here and helping me have a place that I can find the Lord and I can find my life and where I need to be, etc. So it's a very genuine kind of thing. You know, money can't buy that. Money can't buy that. I don't think I was ever hugged at the chamber in my 38 years running the chamber (laughs) of (laughs) commerce. I was kicked several times, but not hugged. You
1: should have been hugged. Well, no, but... (laughs) That's not really how that goes. No,
0: that's not part of the deal, but... A handshake. A handshake, absolutely. And had a pat on the back and so forth. I mean, I got a lot... Listen, I loved my chamber career. My career here was wonderful. It had its challenges, but let me tell you, I'd do it all over again if I had the opportunity to do so. But I think it prepared me for where I am now at this season with the mission. Yeah. Because when I first came here, the chamber... It didn't have a military affairs committee. We didn't have a community talking about riverfront development. I mean, we were just some regular old Chamber of Commerce. So I got to the Chamber at the right time, had some great leaders, had Mr. Bill Turner with his vision for where this community could be. Wow, together we can, absolutely. We did too, didn't we? Mm -hmm. We did. Right. Yeah. So I just see that was a great opportunity to get me ready for, okay, now we've got this old battleship called the Valley Rescue Mission. How can we move it into the 21st century? Yeah. How can we make sure that we're providing for those needs of the men and women in ways in which maybe we haven't even dreamed about yet? Because I told the staff, listen, serving God, there's no higher calling than that. So if anybody's doing it, we ought to be doing it well. We ought to be very best, whatever it is. I want to be the preferred employer uh, for not-for-profits in, anywhere around. I won't to Say, you know who does it right? The Valley Rescue Mission, and why is that? Because it, it's in our name. We're yeah. serving Christ. Yeah. So we ought to be doing the very best, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we got
0: a big challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah, a big, a big challenge indeed. And and as you know, I mean. You've experienced the chamber. It takes money. So one last thing, you know, to, to, it takes money to make things happen. I mean, that's a reality in the world, whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're a big corporation, whatever. So uh, if people want to give or if they, maybe if they want to volunteer, you know, how do they go to that? Do they show up at Valley Rescue Mission on 2nd on Avenue? Do they, can they uh, call or email or go to the website? What's the go best way? Go to our website the
0: easiest way.
1: Okay.
0: Our website, uh, valleyrescue.com. Uh, it's got all the, all the ministries that we have. So if you're interested in the women's ministry and the women and children's ministry or in the men's ministry or whatever, you just go and click on that. It'll take you right to that site and it'll tell you everything about that. Um, our budget this year is about $4.4 million. About $1.8 comes from our thrift stores where we sell products. Okay, Where does the rest of it come from? from people who do their $25 donation per month, from businesses, from estates, from churches. When you donate your household goods to us and we're able to sell those in the thrift stores, all those dollars help us to uh, take care of the men and women. So it's a big business, it, it takes a lot of money. Once again, we provided 129,600 meals last year. That's a lot of money just to put that food on the table. Yes. So. Every dollar counts. We appreciate everybody who will give us an hour of their time, a dollar of their money, whatever it may be. We'll take it all because we're trying to use it to benefit the the needy folks in our community.
1: Yeah, well, I'm certainly... Uh, we're, we're glad you're still here serving uh, in a different capacity. But I, I was I was pleasantly surprised, you know, uh, last year. I guess we can call it last year now, 2023, when right. when I saw that you were, you know, leading Valley Rescue. I was like Mike Gaiman. I haven't I haven't heard that name in in, uh, in several years. He because you were in the news a lot with the Chamber of Commerce, but now, like you said, in a different capacity and. And uh, this is a, a, a new calling in your life, right?
0: Yeah, It is. And, and I want to thank you for doing this podcast. Yeah. This is important. It's important for people to know, you know, there, there are a lot of folks. There's a lot of organizations that are trying to help this community, that are trying to help those in need. The Valley Rescue Mission is one. There are many others. Uh, I just ask that people find some place that they can feel like they can make a difference, make an impact. Give back, however, and whatever means that may mean.
1: Yeah, plug in somehow, whether I mean, you can pray for or give money. Well, there's, a, there's just a ton of different ways you can help out organizations like yours. So but I appreciate your time, Mike, and uh, I'll let you get back to I, I know you guys are probably, they're probably serving food right now, I think.
0: Well, it's, yes, it's, it's, about it's about time. It's about time. Or at the Women and Children's Center, last time I checked, we had 15 women and 22 kids
1: there. Wow.
0: Uh, You want a high adventure? (laughs) Go over to the Women and Children's Center and see these kids running around and these people and these mothers and so forth. And we're there to try to help those mothers get their children back into some sense of a normal life. Yeah. Talking about a calling, talking about a challenge, but boy, talking about an opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot of opportunities out there, and you guys are doing a fabulous job. And make sure to, to give coats over the next few days or week to, to WTVM Valley Rescue Mission. Go to people that, that need them. You can go to WTVM.com. We've got all the drop-off locations there. And then on, on Wednesday, we'll be here all day. Come by the TV station. I'm sure Mike will be around and I'll be around, and, and uh, we'll be uh, taking your coats. You can just drop them off and, uh, because I'm sure you have a lot of things in your, your hall closet that you haven't used in years, right? So bring them in.
0: Yeah, they may not fit. (laughs) That's right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks very much, Mike. Appreciate it. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for this opportunity.
1: Yeah, the Valley Rescue Mission is one of those organizations uh, in our area here in West Georgia, East Alabama. One of those organizations that, you know, there's many throughout the whole country that are really changing lives. And, and as they say in their slogan, serving Christ in the community. What, what, uh, what could be a greater calling than that, that all of us could do? We could serve Christ right where we're at uh, with the talents that he has given us, with the money that we have, with the prayers that we have, and with... Uh, Just our time. And uh, so go out there and volunteer at places like this. Uh, You will definitely not regret it. And uh, speaking of that coat drive we talked about earlier, that is uh, we're actually going to have a one-day drop-off event tomorrow. This episode is coming out for the podcast on Tuesday. Um, the second Tuesday of 2024. And so on Wednesday, um, January 10th from 6 a.m. until 6 30 p.m. Eastern time, you can come by WTVM, our TV station here off of Winton road in Midtown Columbus. And uh, you can come by and donate and come see us. And, um, You can also drop off. We have on wtvm.com all those other places where you can uh, bring your new or gently used coats and uh, donate them at uh, our different locations at a Chevrolet and a Four Place and a St. Luke Church and Master Clean. And by the way, that that Master Clean dry cleaners—they're going to be cleaning all those donated coats before they're given to Valley Rescue Mission. Again, they're going to be distributed to individuals and families in need. So they're going to to people that need them. They're not just going to be stacked up or in a box somewhere in the corner. A valley rescue mission. They're going to those who need because it's getting cold out there, folks, and uh, you know um, it can be below freezing. And if you're homeless, and uh, especially you know it's not just sleeping out there at night. It's it's when you're going to shelters as well. Just out and about during the day, you need so they need those coats to 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 be you know to stay alive. In fact. And it's very symbolic for what we can do in all walks of life in terms of the coats. Um, just giving somebody the shirt off your back, giving somebody your time, your resources, uh, just listening to people. You know, Mike talked about how uh, these drug addicts, uh, former addicts, and and people that are down and out and have made some poor decisions in their life, former inmates, they just want somebody to sit down with them, talk to them, listen to them, play a game with them, uh, teach them a new skill. And, um, so, you know, that's, that's a way you can volunteer, but, uh, you know, everybody needs to be listened to. So that, that's, I think a great act of kindness we can do, uh, in 2024 and beyond. So, uh, thanks again for listening to the run the race podcast, as we talk about faith and fitness stuff on a, on a pretty much a every week basis. So I appreciate you joining us for nearly 200 episodes now. And as we do all or most episodes closing in prayer, Dear God, uh, we just thank you uh, for uh, your word. And uh, that it speaks truth to us in our lives, that we can apply it uh, wherever we go—at work, at school, uh, with family, um, wherever we go in life. And, and uh, Lord God, we just thank you for um, you know for Jesus dying on the cross for us. That let us never forget the sacrifice He made, and that we can make sacrifices for other people and be more like You, Jesus, and uh, giving people the coats off our back and giving people our uh, you know our donations. And our time and volunteering, Lord God, that we can serve you, serve Christ in our community, uh, you know, no matter what time of year it is, not just over the holidays. And we just thank you so much for your many blessings and for the opportunity just to, to talk about you on a platform on a podcast like this. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. I thank you so much again. Tell your folks about it. Hashtag run the race. In fact, my pastor, Jay Bailey, who happens to be my brother-in-law, was a uh, ep- uh, a guest on this podcast uh, several years ago. Um, he, he talked about running the race with perseverance and strength and looking to Jesus uh, from the Bible and, um, and talked about that in the sermon uh, this past Sunday. And uh, as we uh, embark on uh, so many things in life that we have to have that training, we have to work out and, and get ready so we can can we can we have that race. And I'm getting ready to have my next marathon coming up uh, this coming weekend in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, my 26th state for marathon. So I'll, I'll have a race recap for that later this month as well. So hopefully you'll uh, tune in for that one uh, also. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, you guys have a great rest of the week and come donate a coat.